Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. That's right, folks. We are back for another week of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker joined by a new face. Usually it's Kyle or Irfan, but this week... It is my good buddy, host of the CF Perspective Pod, Connor O'Neill. Connor, dude, how are you doing today, man? Great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I mean, normally talking ball, but this time, branched out a little bit. I get to yeah, expand my out. horizons. We are branching out, as you said, and we're definitely expanding your horizons on this one. <laughs> um this week, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we're having you on, so NFL will be a focal point, but Leafs and Oilers are both struggling mightily right now. There's also some mess going on all over, so let's get right into it with our kickoff segment, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and putters in the Southern Ontario region if you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers Daniel and Gabe are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to take teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And we're going to start local, dude. We got to start with the Leafs because, oi, they've been tough to watch. You mean they've been soft to watch? Ooh. Ooh. It's been soft to watch. Clever. I mean, Sheldon Keefe said it, not me. Clever. I like that. You're right. Sheldon Keefe did call his team soft after they blew the lead against the Rangers. And that's their fourth blown lead in five games of 3-1 or worse. This is becoming a huge, huge problem because they're starting on time but they're not finishing the game, which is funny because at the beginning of the season, we said the complete opposite. This team could not start a game on time, no matter how hard they tried. What is going on right now with the blue and white? I I have no idea what's going on inside the locker room. I don't know if this is a locker room issue. I don't know if this is coaching, but from what, I mean, I'm going to go back to the Rangers game. The defensive play was terrible. The defensive play from the young guys was atrocious. Did you see the backhand pass from Lilligram up the middle? That was yep. awful. And then you have arguably, maybe not the best scorer, but one of the best three scorers in Chris Kreider left open in front of the net. And they got a guy, Ryan Reeves. That dude's not supposed to be scoring goals. That's, that dude's supposed to be knocking your players out, right? Like, that dude's not supposed to be on the ice on for 10 minutes. by Ryan Reeves. <laughs> I, that can't supposed happen. to be on the ice for more than 10 minutes and he's scoring two goals on you. That's not okay. It's I, I don't know. I, I agree. It's not okay. The the I mean, he's one of the last true enforcers in the league and he's two spotting you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this is is this a toughness issue? Like Sheldon keeps out here calling the leaf soft. I joked about it, but is this a toughness issue because they can't play physical hockey? To be honest though, like you watch the other four games on this road trip, I wouldn't necessarily call them soft games. Like I just that game against the Rangers, they played soft. They didn't look like yes. they they didn't look interested after the first period. They looked lost. No, I wasn't interested after the first period. I'll say that. Well, you I were interested after interested. the first period until the like halfway through the second when they decided not to play anymore. 
Okay. I'll give him a little bit more than the first period. Yes. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. But no, I mean, yeah, no, they, they're, I don't think they're a soft team in the, uh, in the grand scheme of this season, in the grand scheme of what they've been doing over the last few years. I don't think they're a soft team. I think they're, They've, I think what they've done is they've focused a little bit too much on the finesse aspect of the game, a little bit too much on getting all of these skill players, which is amazing. Plus, I mean, I'm calling them a little bit soft right now, but Jake Muzzin is out of the lineup, which hurts. Absolutely. A guy like that needs to be in the lineup. He's one of your toughest guys. But, I mean, yes, the league is moving towards this finesse game, this skill game. I mean, we see it with guys like McDavid, Kaprizov. I mean, the list goes on. Guys that are just pure skill and speed. Even Quentin Byfield, I know he didn't score the other night, but damn, he looked like he's going to be, you know, one of these next true skate and score type guys. But there is still an element of physicality to hockey. That's not going away. I mean, yeah, they're trying to make the game a little bit safer. But at the end of the day, if you're a team that can go in and fight hard in the corners and run guys in the corners, you're going to win the battles. You're going to win the games. You still need to be a I'm not saying you need to go out there and, you know, be the 1995 Colorado Avalanche and run guys through the boards left, right and center. But uh, I yeah, I am. I am salty about that Red Wings abs rivalry. I know you're an abs fan, Nick, but uh, I, I, I still believe that you need to have at least two to three power forwards on your team. I don't know if you necessarily need two to three power forwards, but you need guys who are willing to to go into the corners. Not necessarily power forward esque though. Like no. if Matthews is willing to bang bodies in the corner, that's fine. You don't want yeah, your superstar I'm, I'm okay to do with that. that. You don't want your superstar to do that, but they should be able to, right? You need your skill players to still play with an edge. And for the last few games, they haven't necessarily done that. Again, the only one that I would call them necessarily really soft was that Rangers game because they looked awful after the first period mm. it was a no, joke I, I was working that game right and it was it, it was tough to watch but i think the biggest issue right now you gotta look at that defense because guess what they looked pathetic in that rangers game even in the first period they didn't look good the difference was the leafs had more of a possession game so it covered up the fact that the defense didn't look great but when ryan reeves is getting that wide open to score a goal in the first period Red flags need to be going up, and in that change room during the intermission, somebody needs to say something, because that is unacceptable. You cannot be letting that happen. And yes, we can point out the fact that Hall and Muzzin were both out against the Rangers. Those are two of your top six for sure, maybe even two of your top four, depending on how you see them. So it's hard to necessarily blame it on one game. It is one game. But then you look at this road stretch been five games and you have two wins and you gave up a 3-1 lead in every game except for one and the one game you didn't give up a 3-1 lead in you lost to Arizona I mean I know that the goalie I mean, played out of his mind I, I will give him credit but <laughs> you lost to Arizona yeah yeah I mean is Arizona even an NHL team at this point or are they more of like a minor barely team? They, are, they are barely an NHL team at this point. I think there's some pretty good college teams. I think we can make yeah. this like, would Alabama beat an NFL team argument? I think we can bring that into the NHL. Yep. Would a good AHL team, would the Carolina AHL affiliate right now with the way they're rolling, would they Checkers, beat yeah. the Phoenix or the Arizona Coyotes? I think the answer is it'd be a close game. It depends way, on which goalie Arizona's shows up for Arizona. Right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, man. 
there's a lot a lot going on in the nhl right now but the leafs are i don't want to say they're in trouble yet but i think they're nearing they're in the yellow inching to the orange inching to and that orange zone is not very far away from the red i i think that it's a very small orange runway there it is it's a very small <laughs> orange runway i think uh I don't think that there's there's a need to panic in Toronto over the Leafs yet, but I think uh, I think there's a hand hovering over that panic button. Yeah, and the question is like we, me and Kyle talked about it last week on the show. Like, what do you do? Is do you make moves at the deadline? Can you even make moves at the deadline if you're the Leafs with your cap situation? Because like they don't have a lot of a lot of space to play around with right now. And you're asking to try to make a competitive team even better. Not an easy. And who's task. going to want to oblige? No, who's going to want to oblige? Who are you going to have to get rid of? Who are you willing to trade? And then, like you said, depending on who you want to bring in, what does that look like for cap space? You might not even be able to go get somebody that you want to bring in based on what you're going to have to pay them. Yeah, and like right now, if we're talking this very moment. They have $185,000 in cap space. That's not even a contract. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not even an AHL two-way contract. So they're going to have so, to, if they want to move somebody and bring somebody in, they're going to have to, to move a contract. And then you ask, well, who goes? Does a guy like Kerfoot have to be sacrificed? As good as he's been. He's been fantastic this year. He has. And I don't know if I'm willing to move Kerfoot because like we were talking about, Kerfoot is one of those guys that is willing to play in the corners. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's not getting results in the corners, but at least he's willing to go in there. Yeah. And are I actually you, think do you want to move. I would argue like that. that. I think he has had success in the corners. He has. He has. Because that I'm, line I'm just, has I'm been probably our the... best line all season. Easily. Easily. Matthews by himself makes his line good. But he's had so many different wingers. Although, I will give Bunting credit. Bunting has been great in the corners as well. He's been a perfect fit on that top line. But you're looking at a guy who, in Kerfoot, who does a little bit of everything. He can play center. He can play the wing. He can play on the second power play unit. He can pedally kill. Like This guy does everything. This is not a guy you want to expend. So the next question is, what about... Jake Muzzin or TJ Brody. Like, you don't want to lose either of those guys, but they have a huge contract. Could you possibly flip them for a couple pieces? Or, depending on how you're feeling about Jack Campbell, is Peter Morazic the guy that you move? Because I... he has a $3.8 million contract. That's a big enough contract to bring in a decent piece. I've seen enough. Being a Red Wings fan, I will I will say that. I'm a Red Wings fan for, for everybody who doesn't know me. Uh, yeah, I mean, 25 years, whatever. <laughs> I won't go there. Uh, I've seen enough out of Peter Mrazek as a Red Wings fan and now, you know, following along, living in Toronto, following along with the Leafs. I, I've seen enough out of Mrazek where I think I would be okay to move him. It's just how, how confident are you in Jack Campbell to be able to sustain what he did in the first part of the season right that's the question because if you're not then you keep Morazic as a safety net for the playoffs because we've seen it in the past with multiple teams I can look at Colorado last year where they had the goaltending injuries right we can look at a ton of teams that as soon as your starting goaltender gets hurt in the playoffs you're done but if you have a guy like Peter Morazic I'm confident enough that if something happens to Campbell knock on wood you have a more than serviceable backup in Peter Morazic Oh, Mrazic's a one on a desperate team. Yeah. 
one on Arizona easily. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't right know. Right now? Right now, right one now. on Arizona. I, okay, right now, one on Arizona. Okay. Vemelka is very good, and he will be a number one, I think, at some point. But I wouldn't say that he is better than Peter Morazic right now. If I'm Arizona, I would rather Morazic be in that net. If you remove Vemelka from Arizona, is he a better goalie? No. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, th- I think right defense. now Peter Morazic is slightly better. Not much, but slightly better. But I think Vemelka has the chance to be a very good goalie. Not the point of this conversation, but <laughs> <laughs> we digress. Morazic's contract is one that could be moved. But you have it to is. have full faith in Jack Campbell and then in respective Ian Scott or whoever you want to call up it. Joseph. I don't Wall. I don't know if Yeah, I don't know if the I don't I don't think there is that confidence there because what has happened to the Leafs over what the last two, three years in the playoffs? Yep. Exits. They don't want that anymore. They can't. They can't. That's my point. If they have a first round exit this year in the playoffs, this city will explode. Will it though? I think this this city is just numb to the Leafs losing. I don't know. I, okay, the diehards are going to explode, and that's going to look like explode, the city's but the exploding. Diehards would explode regardless. I'm talking about the city as a whole. I I just feel as a I I'm a I'm a Leaf fan. I've grown up a Leaf fan. I've been a diehard Leaf fan my whole life as well as Colorado, as you know. But, like, if the Leafs lose this year, I think I'm just numb to it. Like, I just kind of expect it. Which is awful to say. I get it. Look at the hat I'm wearing. I get it. Yeah. I get being numb to the losing. Yeah. I mean, but at some point, something's got to give, right? Like, you you can only lose in the first round of the playoffs so many times before something snaps i agree and i just i just don't know what they do as the defense in my opinion is just not good enough with the current setup but it's not it, it's not i 100 percent agree with but it's january yeah February. it's we're moving into february here it's getting a little bit more it's getting a little bit more dire i guess but again is this team going to be okay in a month in two months because that seems to be the trend there's a month of great there's a month of what the hell are the Leafs doing then there's another month where it's kind of okay then it's another month where they look like one of the worst teams in hockey I mean there's there's so much up and down I would like to point out we're making a big deal about this they've won two of their last four games they have they have and I think we might be two and three on the road trip yeah which is you want that you absolutely need that if you're the Leafs (laughs) Um, so I think we might be on like the upswing of the next cycle. It's just a matter of when does this roller coaster come down and hopefully it's not the playoffs or at least the first round. Speaking of teams who struggle in the first round and, um, are on a very, very hard down. The Edmonton Oilers are a mess right now. I heard they're a little pissy, just a little, and it is, it is getting ugly in city of champions because since december 2nd they are 2 11 and 2 do you know how many teams are worse than that zero zero that is not okay for a team that was supposed to be a cup contender at the beginning of the season and everyone wants everyone wants to point to the goaltending and it's been awful by the way um koskinen has been Whore awful. Um, 
there's more to it. There has to be more to it because they're also not scoring. They're averaging 2.33 goals for per game, but giving up 4.13 in that stretch. They look, they look completely deflated. It looks like they don't want to be on the ice. Dreisaitl looks like he doesn't want to be playing hockey right now. McDavid just looks like a player on the ice, which is sad to say, but... I mean, there still is, he does still have his moments where you're like, okay, there he is. There's the best player in hockey right now. But this team just looks like a deflated balloon. They've got nothing. It's true. What, what do they have to be happy with right now? What do they have to get excited about right now? They're 2-11-2 since December 2nd, like you said. Like, what do the Edmonton Oilers have to be excited about right now? Nothing. Not a lot. The prospect of a playoff spot? vanishing the prospect of winning the cup this year it's pretty much gone it's gone so yeah i don't know and then i don't know what you're what you do in edmonton i don't know if this is again if this is something going on with upper management within the team like what do you do with these edmonton oilers right now to even try to light a fire like you look at the stats and it's it's astounding to see, like you mentioned that Drysaddle and McDavid are looking almost human. They're averaging less than a point a game. Remember at the beginning this of the, the season, last time we were talking about, yeah, people were talking about them getting like 120, 130 points each this year. McDavid has, which, they both have 13 points in this stretch. Yeah, which is, they played what, 15 games, games and they have, McDavid that's, I mean, played 14, he missed one. Still, still, I mean, the, it, through this stretch, and correct me if I'm wrong, but through this stretch, I don't think they've played, like, obviously, yes, they've had some tough games, but, like, for the majority of this run, they've been playing teams that should be winnable games, that look like they could be winnable games. I mean, it's not like you're playing Minnesota, Colorado every single night, right? Like, Edmonton on paper is a good roster. Edmonton on paper should be a good team. But they're dropping winnable games. They're they're dropping games that, I mean, arguably they shouldn't be losing here. This is Edmonton, right? Like this is a team that you said they've got two guys that we thought were going to combine for over two hundred points this season. And they just haven't shown up over the last fifteen games as a team. They haven't shown up. I'm not pinning this entirely on McDavid and Drysaddle. They can only do so much. I mean, it, it still is recognized that these are two of the best players in the league, and I think they're still both top five points in the league right now. So this is not entirely on them. I mean, you need the supporting cast to kind of... The thing is, you can't pin it on any one part of the team. The whole team just looks bad. The whole team is a mess. They look bad. It's a mess right now. They've lost two two of these games on this stretch. They lost to Seattle. Yeah. Seattle's dead last in the division. It's the only team below Edmonton right now in the division. Now, granted, Edmonton has four games in hand on Vancouver, and they're two points back. But the way Vancouver, they're playing, I would they argue might not Vancouver get... is a better team right now. I agree. They're getting better goaltending, at least. Absolutely. Which, again, at what do you do at the deadline here? Do you look for goaltender help? Do you dig into the AHL for goal, goaltender help here for for Edmonton? Like, I, I know it's not. I know goaltending is not necessarily the the one single problem here. But when you're averaging or when you're allowing north of four goals a game, that's not good. It's it's not okay either. Like they don't have a single goalie who is above an eight eighty five save percentage in this stretch. The closest one is Stuart Skinner. 
who has their two wins during this time. Which is, I mean, I, I, he's a good, he's I'm a good stunned. prospect. Don't he's a good goalie. He's not ready. No, no. But when your goalies are under 900, I mean, what's the target? 915, I would say I'd be comfortable with. I mean, even a 900 goalie. I take yeah, 910, 9, like 885. None of them are even at 885. Stewart's 882. Shouldn't happen. Not like, to an NHL goalie. Mikola Koskinen is 855 right now with a 428 goals against average in this stretch. He's played in I don't know how games. you can keep. I, I get that they don't necessarily really have a choice, but how do you keep putting this guy in that? They don't. They, as you said, they don't have a choice right now because Skinner and um, Smith are both hurt. I believe. How does Edmonton right the ship? How do they turn it around? I don't. I don't think they do this season. I think this is something that is going to need to be addressed. I. I it's going to need to be addressed in the off season. It's going to need to be reassessed in the off season. This is going to be a very long and a not very fun off season. If you're an Edmonton oiler, uh, I feel bad for the fans right now too, man. Cause those fans, I mean, to go and what should have been, I was excited for that Edmonton, Florida hockey game. Like that should have been a high scoring, high power, good it hockey game to watch. It was should high scoring. It was. Yeah. One-sided high scoring. <laughs> As soon as Barkov was standing at the side of the net by himself and just made that shot off the post look easy, I was like, it's over. And I think that was the 2-0 goal that Barkov put in. And I was like, I, it is over. This one's over. I, I don't even know what to say anymore because we're getting to the point where we're just repeating ourselves over and over again because they can't figure it out. Apparently and Brad Marchand knows what to say. But he does. He doesn't know how to fix it. He just knows that there's something wrong. Oh, I, there is something wrong. There's something egregiously wrong in Edmonton. Right? And I mean, what do you do if you're the Edmonton Oilers? Is it a is it a fire sale at the deadline? All for I. I mean, like I'm yeah, not saying a you little bit dry side or McDavid. Like that would be stupid. No, you can't. You can't. You absolutely can't. I think that would. I think that would just be the end of the Edmonton Oilers as a franchise. You, but if like, you chose to do that right now, you might as well just move them to Quebec City. Yeah. Well, if, if you, you sell off Drysdale yeah. and McDavid yeah, right move, now, if you move those two, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant if you have a fire sale. I'm like, uh. no, no, no. If if your decision is to move McDavid and Drysdale right now, if you think that's the answer, you might as well just move the team to Quebec City. Yeah. Because but Edmonton like, will will outcast Ken if Holland. We're, and if staff. we're talking trade deadline right now, right? Who are the pieces that you move? Who do you get rid of? Who do you fire sale? Who do you target? I don't know. Like, if, if I'm them, I'm targeting a goalie. Like, maybe you yes. reach out to Columbus. Hey, you, you're not going to be able to re-sign Corpus Allo. We know that. Hey, that's just not going to happen. We'll trade you Koskinen and X player or X pick or whatever. We'll take He's taking Koskinen, though. Well, no, because you have to move Koskinen if you're bringing in a goalie. Like you have to. His contract's four point five. If if that's your if Koskinen's your offer based on what we've seen over these last fifteen games. No, I'm saying you also have to add picks and or players. That's what I mean. I'm just saying they have to take. Like maybe you trade Evan Bouchard and Koskinen. Yeah. To to move Koskinen, you're gonna have to do something that really entices whoever you're going after. Like it is going to have to be Koskinen. Koskinen's the throw in for this. Yeah, that's what I mean. Absolutely. But you have to move him. That's the problem. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And that's going to make it difficult because 
based on what we've seen from Koskinen, I don't know if there's a team that really wants to take him on right now. And that's the thing. Like, like I say Corpus Allo because I know that Columbus isn't going to re- be able to re-sign him, and they're pretty confident with Merz Lincoln, so they might be able yeah. to move him at the deadline and be fine. But who else? I, I don't even think I could name another goalie that I could easily off the top of my head say he's the number two in their in their team, but he's a very good goalie and deserves a chance. I think you could maybe, and I say maybe with like a very heavy, heavy, heavy maybe on this one, go target Swayman from Boston. Possibly, yeah. He, he's, he's another good call. I forgot about him. But again, it, based on what we've seen from Swayman when he got a chance to play, is Boston going to move him or are they going to be like, okay, we're going to shelf Swayman for another year, let him play in the A, let him keep developing, and we'll bring him up as needed because when we do so, he shows up. Either that or you target Olmark. And then another they can good, bring Swayman another up. Good. That. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think they would be more likely to move Allmark than than Swayman. I mean, that's what I that, mean, right? So you target Allmark. Yeah, yeah. I I like. I don't know. I mean, I I like that. I guess, but there's just not a lot of opportunities to go steal goalies from teams right now. Or you try to go. You grab somebody from Florida. You we know they have a good goaltending group. Man, I feel so bad for the Florida Panthers. I know this is getting away from from talking about Edmonton right now, but I feel so bad for the Florida Panthers. They're such a good hockey team. Oh, I love them. They're just so fair weather. To look, to watch the Florida Panthers play hockey and see the lower bowl of that stadium with a vast majority of empty seats. And I know that, you know, it's where we have COVID regulations, COVID COVID protocols right now, but they're playing in Florida, which... They really have those protocols? No, no, they don't. Not really. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, to, to watch the Panthers play hockey at home and be the hottest team or one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now, I mean, it's Florida, Colorado, Minnesota, take your pick. I It sucks. It sucks to turn a Panthers game on and just see the lower bowl empty because they're playing so well, and I want so badly to see that stadium as sold out as it can be. Yeah, I mean, it, it is tough. You're right. Um, all right, dude, we'll wrap this up. Uh, That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you were looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or visit or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. We're going to take a quick break here. And then when we come back, NFL, dude, divisional round matchups. We got to talk about it. So we will do that right after this. Hey, everyone. This is Irfan Manji for Sports Network. We are an all-soccer podcast hosted by yours truly and Paige Culver. We provide news, analysis, and opinions each episode as well. You can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher and follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Cheers. All right, we are back. Nick McVicker, Connor O'Neill from CF Perspective joining us. And dude, it's time for your favorite and I mean, I can't really complain. Doxum NFL. Divisional round it. weekend. And before we get into that, I got to ask, any surprises from last week for you? Um, not really. I mean, the, the weekend kind of played out as I thought it would. Um, the biggest surprises for me of, of last weekend's rounds were the scores, just like the amount of blowouts we had. I thought uh, some of those games were going to be 
much closer than they ended up being. The one that I thought was going to be a runaway was Kansas City and Pittsburgh. That one was an absolute runaway. Um, but a lot of those games, I mean, uh, Arizona, Arizona, LA, I thought that was going to be a little bit closer. I thought, you know, maybe the Raiders were going to hang in there a little bit better. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, last weekend kind of shook out how I thought it was going to. It's this weekend that I am very excited for because I don't know what is going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't know if I agree that some of the scores were bigger than I thought they were going to be. Maybe the Bills-Patriots game was a little bit of a bigger score than I thought it was going to be. A 30-point win for the Bills. That kind of got me. I thought the Bills were going to win. I want to make that very clear. But the score, 47-17. I will say that one did. I, I left that one out. That one did surprise me. I did take the Patriots in that one because Bill Belichick in the playoffs is just, for me, too hard to bet against. But, I mean... I was happy to see that Bills team win. Yeah. I like Josh Allen. I like that Bills team. The Bills team's fun. Awesome to see them get there. It the is. Bills team is it fun, is. man. They got a it big is. matchup this week, and we'll get into that. But let's go in order. First up, we got the Bengals. Take number, number four seed Bengals taking on the number one seed Tennessee Titans with their superhuman running back, Derrick Henry, back. Can these Bengals, can these upstart Bengals take out the number one seed, Connor? I want to say no, but every time I say something bad, and don't get, I love Joe Burrow. I want to start that <laughs> off. I absolutely love Joe Burrow. But anytime I say anything bad about Joe Burrow or the Bengals, Joe Burrow goes out and there and proves me wrong. The other week when it was really cold out, I tweeted something out. Uh, Burrow was wearing two gloves that game, and I hate that. I think that's the absolute worst look in the NFL, in football, you should, as a quarterback, you should not have two gloves on your hands. Get out of here with the Teddy two gloves, Teddy Bridgewater stuff. Joe Burrow was wearing two gloves in a cold weather game. And I said, that's an interception on each hand for those gloves. I was wrong. He threw five touchdowns in that one. Uh, this is a playoff <laughs> game. I don't know. I like this Bengals team. I think they've shown a lot this season. I think they are going to be a playoff contender for years to come. But I think this is where the run ends this year. You're running into a Tennessee football team that has arguably one of the, I'm not going to say one of the best, but arguably one of the rangiest and one of the fastest secondaries in the league. Their ability to create front end pressure is incredible. They have a huge front seven and you're getting Derrick Henry back who, when he was injured, was still at the top of the rushing leader, at the top of the leaderboard in rushing for the better half of that season. I mean, it's undeniable what this guy is, generational talent. And then on the outside, you pair that with A.J. Brown, who's an absolute dog, Julio Jones, who we know is still a good receiver and is still going to show up. Yes, maybe he's losing half a step. I'm not going to say he's losing a step. He's losing maybe half a step. Maybe he looks a fraction of a second slower. But what you don't lose is the skill set, those hands, and Ryan Tannehill, say what you will about him, but he is a serviceable quarterback, gets it done, knows that system very well, runs it very well. That system thrives off the, off the PA. Derrick Henry coming back is only going to open that up even more. Since he does a lot of things really well, but their ability to stop Derrick Henry is going to be huge, and their ability to read off that PA and kind of shut down those wide receivers is what it's really going to come down to. I don't know if you're going to stop Derrick Henry. I think it's manage Derrick Henry and try to stop the big plays downfield. I don't think they can do it. I think Joe Burrow also 
for as calm and as smooth as he is in the pocket and his ability to put the ball downfield, the pressure that's going to be created in this game and Tennessee's ability to play just so solidly on the back end is going to cause issues. Kevin Bayard watches film. Kevin <laughs> Bayard watches film. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And I, I agree with you. I think this is a very interesting matchup for Burrow. And I want to agree in the fact that I think this is where it ends. But at the same time, my heart is telling me the Bengals win this game. We're coming back. Joe, the reason that I say that, and it, it comes down to a few things. But the first one is Tennessee was 19th in yards per attempt through the air this year. Joe Burrow's passing offense. I believe was seventh. That that bodes well in his favor. He has a lot of different weapons to use. But the big one for me is that Derrick Henry is coming back from injury, and you know they're going to want to run him, obviously. Why wouldn't you? It's Derrick Henry. Of course you want to run him. But how good is Derrick Henry going to be coming back from injury? We don't know until we get to the game. And if he is not the superhuman Derrick Henry that we've come to know, that is advantage Bengals right away. Because if he's so. getting two yards per carry as opposed to the four, five, six, or whatever he gets per carry usually, that puts Tennessee in a really tough spot because then they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. And that is not their uh, strength. If Derrick Henry comes out and looks like Trent Richardson, it's game over. Yeah. It's game over right away. And that's that's what I'm going to be looking for is because that's where the break was. It was a break in his foot, right? And it broke kind of on the, the outside of his foot. And that's where he's going to be cutting right. and shifting off of. It's his plant foot, right? So that's like that's going to cause some distress. It's a matter of how much freezing can they get in there? How much can they numb this foot up? And, and how much it's how healed. Hold on. How reactive. much it's healed is also how much it's back. healed. Um I think it, I don't know. And that's, that's a big load on a small area. Cause it's right kind of on the outside of his foot near that, like kind of pinky toe plant area. So when he's making those kind of outside moves, what is that going to look like? And is, is that going to cause him some distress? Is it all the way healed? Like you're saying, like, are those bones going to kind of plant or kind of shift a little bit when he plants? Cause that's a lot of weight on a, on a small surface area. So we'll see. Derek Henry's this guy a, big is a dude, 250 but... pound back. And he's what six one six two. I think he's six two six, six three. three six three six three two fifty. That is a linebacker. <laughs> That's a linebacker on the other side of the ball. Um, That's true. <laughs> I th I really if this might be a hot take, but I I really truly believe if Derrick Henry is healthy, outside of the Chiefs, I don't know who's beating the Titans in the playoffs right now. Because if Derrick Henry is healthy. The Packers. This is an That's incredibly Aaron Rodgers will pick apart that secondary. As good as AFC, they've been, he will. AFC. Oh, AFC. You said oh, he playoffs. Will. He will. He said will. playoffs. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I meant AFC. AFC. Okay, I don't know gotcha. who's beating. I don't know who's beating Tennessee in the playoffs in the AFC. Maybe the Chiefs. That's it. If the Bills beat the Chiefs this week, I will happily take the Bills next week, regardless of who they're playing, because of the confidence from this week's win. Okay. Okay. I like it. Maybe maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe I'll call Tennessee my dark horse team. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a little it's bit. It's hard to call I, them dark horse. They're number one seed. I know, I know they are. There's but literally like, do, they, it, do they not just feel like a dark horse in this playoff run? In my opinion, I feel, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this. I think the division, the conference, is 
one, two, three, all the way up here, everybody else. Yep, in my opinion, it was always going to be one of these two, one of these three teams that came out of the AFC this year. Now, yep. I love the Bengals, how they've put this team together. I think it is a great young team. They're going to be dangerous for years to come. I just think they need another year to compete with the big three. I agree. It's just, and it's funny because like, if we're looking player for player across these two teams, the Bengals and the Titans, I'm picking the Bengals every time. But in this game, it should be the Titans that win. I think it's the Titans game to lose. I really do. I think Joe Burrow is going to come out and make some plays. I think Jamar Chase is going to come out and make some plays. But I, I do truly think that this is the Titans game to lose. Should the Titans come out and play their brand of football, they have the edge for me in this one just because I think I agree with you. I think that the Bengals and Joe Burrow need one more year. I think they're almost there. I think they are almost like three B. There's like one, two, three, and the Bengals are three B. I would say Not they're quite. solidly four, but like I, I wouldn't call them three B just yet because three is the Buffalo Bills. I would I would take the Bengals over the Bills. No, I I can't do it. I think the Bills defense is just too good. Offensively, yeah. they're comparable. Offensively, absolutely comparable. But I think the Bills' defense is just that much better than the Bengals, so it's easy for me to take the Bills right now. That doesn't mean next year, Fair. at this very point in time, we will be saying the same thing, because I don't think that's the case. Because now they know the only thing that they really need to work on is defense. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. The one thing I will say, and now I'm probably going to get burned for this, they're probably going to look absolutely atrocious. Um Watch the Bengals D today, or not yeah. their D. Watch the Bengals secondary today. Yeah, sneaky good secondary. I agree. I, I agree with that. I'm not. I'm not denying that they're sneaky good, but at the same time, I will take the more, whole of the defense. All of Bengals. it. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I agree. And that's why I think there is a distinct difference between three and four right now, as opposed to three A, three B. Okay. Yeah. Did I convince you? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. I think. <laughs> I, I think job, maybe a, a little bit more. A little bit more front seven pressure from from the Bengals. Uh, maybe maybe like a true number one corner for yeah. the Bengals. Um, they don't need much. Right. I'm not saying it's going to be a no. huge overhaul of the defense, but oh no, no one no. or two pieces. You need a piece that may move up. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm in agreement with that. We'll get to our picks after talking about all four games. So hold on to your true pick for now. But yep. let's move on to the next one, dude. And it is <laughs> my boys. And the green and yellow Packers are hosting the 49ers. And I I think the big question is, this shouldn't be a close game. But can Aaron Rodgers finally lead the Pack to a win over his childhood team? Yes. Thank goodness. That's all I have to say. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Um, There's there's a couple things that I want to factor into this game. I mean, one... Kyle Shanahan has looked like one of the smartest people on planet earth, planet earth over the last two, three weeks, but you are running into arguably the most talented player to ever play the game of football at the quarterback position in Aaron Rodgers. I firmly believe if Aaron Rodgers was on those Patriots team, he would not have lost the Super Bowl. Uh, I am of that mindset and always will be of that mindset. I do not blame Tom Brady for that. No, but I I don't think Aaron Rodgers would have lost those games. What you call a lot of luck, though. Uh, my next question, too, for the Rams, what's, what's Bosa going to look 49ers, like? 49ers, right? 
Oh yeah, the 49ers. My bad. We'll we'll get to the Rams. They <laughs> we'll are playing. I'm just still very excited about Matt Stafford <laughs> getting his first playoff win. I wanted to jump to the Rams. Um what does Bosa look like for the 49ers in this one as well? He took a shot last week. So Little is that Fred defensive Warner. pressure? Is that defensive pressure going to be the same for the 49ers? And I don't think so. I don't There's not a lot about the Packers that scare me in this one. There's a lot about the Niners that scare me. And there's not a lot about the Packers team that scares me right now. My confidence level in the Packers in this one is a lot higher. I think this year, given the opportunity, should it be fourth and whatever, Aaron's not kicking the field goal. He's not. Unless you're inside. And your he's own going 30, to run. No. Unless you're inside your own 30, not a chance. So I, I don't know. The, this is based on everything that we've seen and heard and whatever, all the Packers nonsense from 2020 through to 2022. This is Aaron Rodgers is just so fed up, so pissed off. This is just an Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. And again, might be hot take. He might be bold. I don't see a team in the NFL right now that is going to top the Packers. Their back end, their back end defense is incredible. Rashawn Gary, yeah, he's a Michigan guy. Yeah, I'm a Michigan guy. Rashawn Gary is amazing. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a former Michigan fan. I'm also a Lions fan and I've grown up hating the Packers. So for me to say nice things about the Packers, it it's tough. It warms my heart. It warms it's my heart. It's really hard, but I can't, <laughs> I can't not say nice things about the Packers this year because they're a good football team. They are arguably the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah. And it's, it's where been, do they lack? They don't. they don't. That's the beauty of it. They're, they're defensive linemen all the way down through their rotational players at defensive line are great. Their linebackers are good. Arguably the weakest part of their defense is their linebacking core, but they still have great, at least one great linebacker that's going to make up for, you know, some whatever, some good linebackers. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't, I don't even know if they're questionable. They're still NFL caliber yeah. linebackers. But and then you know you look at the back end of that defense, and I harp on DBs and secondaries a lot because to me it's just so important. The NFL has moved to this throw first, think about the run second type league. I mean, there's some rare instances of that, i.e., the Titans. Um, but I mean, <laughs> really, when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't make sense to necessarily like. I understand using the run to set up the pass and all yeah. of that, blah, blah, blah. You got to run the football. But when you have a quarterback as good and as talented as Aaron Rodgers, you're going to be able to rip the ball around field. Yeah. I don't it's think true. that – I, I think that the, the Green Bay Packers have the secondary to compete with Jimmy Garoppolo and some of those wide receivers. I mean, Debo Samuel is going to be Debo Samuel. If he does – if Debo Samuel is the only person making play for the Niners, I'm okay with it. So I think I think the Niners back end can match with, or sorry, I think the Packers back end can match with the Niners, whereas the Niners back end cannot keep up with the Packers wide receivers. Fair enough. I will throw this caveat in. This 49ers had the best yards per attempt of any team in the league in the passing game. I will counter that. Kyle Shanahan had the best yards per attempt. It's the same. Th that's what that. That's exactly what I just said in different words. Mm. Mm. I agree. I'm discrediting, Kyle, Kyle, I am discrediting Jimmy Garoppolo 
I'm, I'm did, not Jimmy Garoppolo I wasn't is giving a Garoppolo dude. credit. I was giving the team credit. I'm just going to give all the credit right to Shanahan. But he's not the one making the routes. He's not the one actually getting the ball. Isn't isn't is. he though? Isn't he making the routes? Aren't they all his play designs? All right, if we're going to try to nitpick here. I think I firmly believe, be I don't know, maybe it, it might be because I firmly believe Kyle Shanahan won the MVP and not Matt Ryan. Interesting. I think Kyle Shanahan, and this is kind of why I'm saying, it, I think Kyle Shanahan is so smart and is so ridiculously complex with his schemings and his motions and his con, con, concepts, if I can speak, and his concepts with his playbook. He doesn't have the quarterback to do it execute it thoroughly yet jimmy garoppolo throwing outside of the numbers still scares me and the packers are gonna have a field day with it if jimmy garoppolo can only throw inside of the numbers for this you don't even have to worry about defending the outside of the field necessarily yes you still do obviously but like you can sit there and kind of clog the middle of the field and force jimmy to throw to the outside and have a field day with that you can play a lot of kind of cover two cloud looks where you're dropping your linebackers, plugging middle, you're playing your safeties kind of more inside and higher over top where they can still get the range to the far side of the field, but they're looking more to the middle because you know Jimmy Garoppolo is really looking to throw from number to hash to hash to number. Yeah, that's true. It's a lot. When you look at what the Niners do, it's a lot of mesh routes. It's a lot of crossing routes. It's a lot of trying to get guys open in different zone spots they run a lot of like spot up routes where they're trying to stretch these zone defenses but if you can kind of just play this zone and plug the gaps and force jimmy garoppolo to throw where he's uncomfortable throwing which is wide side of the field you're going to be able to kind of play a cover six look cut your corner a little bit lower and just have an absolute day because jimmy garoppolo does not have the arm to get it out to where he's going to need to to beat this Packers team. I like that breakdown because I think you're right. Like he's he's not good enough to do it right now. And you wonder what that means for his future with the team because I I honestly don't know. And I don't know it's, what that means for Trey Lance. It's Trey Lance's team. I, I think in the next, maybe not next year, maybe they keep Jimmy around for one more year because he's proven, I mean, as much as I did just pick on him, he's proven he can play quarterback. Yeah. He's proven he can play quarterback at an NFL level. Um, I think they're keeping him around because they're paying him a hell of a lot of money and they don't want to just be like, okay, well, we paid this guy a lot of money and he didn't pan out and that's going to look real good in the public eye. Uh, but I think there's going to be a shift to Trey Lance sooner rather than later. He is, again, and if you look at what the Niners were trying to run early on in the year, it was a lot of boot to the wide side of the field, naked boot, hit a crossing route. Like That is not stuff that's designed for Jimmy Garoppolo to run. You are not running Jimmy Garoppolo on a naked boot. No. That's a Trey Lance play. If you look at the way that the playbook has morphed and the way the playbook has molded over this year, especially once it was confirmed that they were you know, looking to Trey Lance to be the next guy in line. This playbook has transformed more into a Trey Lance playbook, which I mean, has really benefited 
a guy like Debo Samuel in the long run because Kyle Shanahan's going, oh, crap, this guy's the best athlete we have on the field. We, we have to use him in various different ways. I saw a stat. I saw a ridiculous stat that Debo Samuel over his last four games has more rushing yards than Ezekiel Elliott had over, I think, his last six of the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. But, again, this goes back to my point. If Debo Samuel is the only person on the field making plays for the Niners, I'm fine with it. The Niners aren't going to win through Debo Samuel. They might keep it close, but they probably will not win that game. I agree. Yep. All right, let's move on. And it's the Battle of the Coasts. Rams. Bucks. Okay, now I can talk about the Rams. Now you get to talk about the Rams. Now I get to say Brady, Rams. Donald, this is going to be fun. I am still shedding tears over Matthew Stafford winning his <laughs> first playoff game. I am still crying. I jumped around my living room like a small child. Um, I think after this one, I'm going to be throwing a temper tantrum in my living room like a small child. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, we might see Matt Stafford and the Rams get bounced, potentially. The Bucks are in shambles, too, and that gives me a bit of optimism. <laughs> yeah, fair. I, I would agree with you that the Bucks are the better team in this one. So they're the, they're the odds-on favorites to win. I think if you look at yeah. that 3-6-5, they are three-point favorites. So it's a close game. Not a single one of these matchups, by the way, is more than five-and-a-half point spread. And that's the Green Bay Packers hosting the 49ers. The Packer five and a half yeah. point favorites. I would, yeah, I would have guessed that the Packers hold the hold the Titans are four weekend. point favorites, and we'll get into the Chiefs Bills game. But the Chiefs are our two point favorites right now, as we're talking. Of course, we can't. I don't want to change anything here, but as we're talking, they are two point favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ram- the Bucks are three point favorites in this game, and it's because there are potentially some issues with their team, right? Brady, not an issue. We know that's going to be fine. Gronk, not an issue. We know that's going to be fine. Mike Evans, we know that's not an issue. Who else is he throwing the ball to? Because they've lost two of their top three receivers due to multiple different reasons. We already talked about Antonio Brown a lot on this show. We're not going to bring it up anymore, but he's gone. Godwin's what? gone. You don't want to talk about that again? You haven't talked about Antonio Brown enough? We've talked about him three weeks in a row. I don't think <laughs> we need to talk about him again. Um, so where does that... Where does that put them in the passing game? Potentially Leonard Fournette is back, so that could help their run game. Although they, their run game didn't look that bad last week anyway. So that's not that wasn't really an issue either. But how much are they going to be able to use Fournette? And how much is that going to open up on the pass game for Gronk and Mike Evans? Because if they can't get that going, then they're going to struggle. And the Rams could take advantage of it. Now, Matt Stafford needs to not throw a pick. And he didn't last I mean, week, but. You can take Matt Stafford out of Detroit. You can't take the Detroit out of Matt Stafford. He will throw an interception in this game. He didn't last week. And I know for a fact because I bet hunt him to throw an interception. To throw an in interception. Parlay, and he did not throw an interception. I was really, really mad. Uh, so, yeah, take the opposite of whatever Nick's going to tell you to do this week. I'm saying Stafford. He's saying no interception for Stafford this no, week. No, no, so I'm saying he will throw an interception. I was just mad that he didn't last week. Oh, I, okay, okay. I bet My on bad. him too last week, and he didn't throw an interception. So I was like, come on. The one time I, I bet on him to throw an interception, he did not throw an interception. 
And that's a half decent secondary too in Arizona. So yeah, that's what I that's thought. A little bit like is they just played awful. Arizona to... just played awful, and then we'll leave it at that. They did. They looked terrible in that one. Um, in this game, the Bucks versus the Rams. My main concern. I mean, you talked a lot about getting Leonard Fournette going, and that's going to be able to if he plays. You know, like, there's no con- confirmation yet if he plays. Well, regardless, run game. Let's 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 switch it up to run game. Talked yeah. about getting the run game going, and when once you do that, we all know. We've all played enough Madden. That's going to open up your pass game, right? So before you can even think about that, what is this, what does this Tampa Bay offensive line look like? Because it is banged up as well. Are they going to be able to stop this aggressive pressure from the Rams? And the Rams are the type of team that they can bring three and still be effective with it. So if they start bringing three and dropping guys on the back end, because you know Brady's going to try to throw downfield, is that going to like I don't want to say is that going to mess with Brady because he is arguably one of the most cerebral players to ever grace a football field. But if you can pressure three and to drop six, you'll be okay. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. When you have a player like Aaron Donald, when you rush three, it's more like rushing five because he it, takes it up is. three men. He does. Stop him. Like, it's ridiculous. Did you see? Did, did you see the picture of... The uh, it was Aaron Donald pass rushing, and the kind of like it was like the back end camera angle of the uh, Arizona offensive line, and there was three offensive linemen. I wasn't on, kidding. on Aaron Donald. There was three air, offensive linemen on Aaron Donald. There was one offensive lineman just standing there with his arms open, and then they were double teaming whoever the end was. It was because they only rushed. Yeah, I don't. Two. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know where the third defense. He was probably in the backfield already. That's why the one lineman was standing there with his hands <laughs> up. But I mean, that's what Aaron Donald does, though. Like Aaron Donald eats these double teams, triple teams in mine and uh, Wade. You know Wade, obviously. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I said you know Wade, but so mine and Wade's favorite thing to say always about, about these types of players is to clean it up a little bit. They're a mess the play up type guy. Um, yep. Normally, we use an expletive there, but. So what he does is maybe like Aaron Donald shows up on a stat sheet, but this type of player is not the type of guy that's always going to show up on the stat sheet, but he is always going to be effective on the defensive line because when you're eating those double triple teams and or driving the center into the back of the quarterback, you are messing up the design of the offensive play, which leaves your linebackers to come clean, which leaves, I mean, I've seen the LA Rams blitz safe. I mean, it's not an uncommon thing, but I've seen the, the LA Rams blitz safeties and those safeties are coming through gaps clean as hell because Aaron Donald is taking up Aaron Donald reaches out like this and there's four guys in his reach all of us it is it's insane and then you pair that with a guy like Von Miller who yeah everybody thought Von Miller was washed in Denver when he was the guy eating those double and triple teams well now he's freed up by Aaron Donald and guess what Von Miller still looks like Von Miller you know the best part about that explanation I said it last week (laughs) <laughs> I agree with you 100%. And I also say it about TJ Watt. These guys, now, TJ Watt showed up on the stat sheet this year. I'll give him credit. Aaron Donald used to st- show up on the stat sheet like that, and that's why he's now getting these triple teams. Yeah. But these guys are such dangerous players that you have to try to eliminate them. And what that does is it opens up so many different holes on your offensive line. And that's why he is so valuable and we saw it last week in their game because Aaron Donald I think he had a sack but he also had two knockdown balls 
and multiple triple teams, but still was making plays defensively because he's an athletic freak who can still chase down tackles if they get by him. It is incredible to watch him play and to see what he's going to do against a very depleted offensive line for the Bucs. It's going to be interesting. And then what that does is it allows defensive players like, oh, I don't know, Jalen Ramsey, one of probably the best quarter cornerbacks in the league, if not the best, depending on who you talk to. The best. I'm not here to say that because I don't know enough about cornerbacks. I will be honest. It's not my forte. But Best he cornerback is, I've seen since prime. He is top three, no doubt, in my mind. Yeah. You're going to open him up to Brady being rushed on throws? Mm-hmm. Give me a break, right? And that's why this game is going to be close because they're going to limit how much the Buccaneers are able to do. It'll come down to what Matt Stafford and the offense is able to do. They have Cooper Cup, obviously. Cam Akers looked fantastic last week and looked very, very dangerous. Now you are looking at a team that has to show up when the game is played, and that's what it's going to be. I'm not worried about the Rams' defense getting eaten up by the, the Buccaneers' offense. I'm not. It's how good the offense can be against the Buccaneers defense that will determine this game. It is either going to be a 21-17 scoreline or it is going to be 37-17. I agree. I agree. I have two more things to add. And Quickly, then, let's I do mean, it. We, all right. So you were talking about Jalen Ramsey and you, we were talking earlier on about Brady's favorite guys to throw to for this Bucs team. Let's go back to the Jags-Patriots AFC matchup when the Jags arguably should have won that game. Arguably should have won that game. Agreed. I remember this one. In in this season, in this playoff run, who was and historically has been Tom Brady's guy? Gronk, right? Obviously. That's not – it's like that wasn't a trick question. That was just the obvious answer. It's Gronk. Yeah. In that matchup, Gronk was held – basically off the stat sheet. And you know who played over top of Gronk the entire game? Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, as a young guy that was still arguably developing. Now Jalen Ramsey is developed. He is one of the best cover guys across the board in the NFL, no matter where he plays. You are going to be able to line up Jalen Ramsey in the slot and completely nullify Rob Gronkowski. Then you're going to be able to move Jalen Ramsey outside to corner if you want and nullify Mike Evans with Jalen Ramsey. This dude is good enough to play anywhere on the field and lock down the Bucks' number one receiver, whoever that might be that game. You're going to see Jalen Ramsey in multiple spots on the field. You're going to see him playing safety. You're going to see him playing slot corner. You're going to see him playing outside corner. And now to flip this onto the offense side of the ball for the Rams, we talked about Matt Stafford needing to control the ball. Sean McVay has done a hell of a job at realizing that he still needs to allow Matt Stafford to take these shots, but put Matt Stafford in positions to take these shots and limit the possibility of throwing an interception. Because we know when Matt Stafford puts the ball in the air, he is he plays with a little bit of reckless abandon. And yeah, that's going to get him into trouble a little. A little. Yeah, that gets him into trouble, but it's also what makes him one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So Sean McVay has since realized that this is the type of style that Matt Stafford plays with. Sean McVay can live and die by the interceptions and be okay with the interceptions a little bit 
because he knows that Matt Stafford, when given the opportunity, is good enough to hit on those home run shots. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. He's a gunslinger. Talk about You talk about the Lions having Stafford. Favre was the gunslinger in, in Packerland. The guy has the yeah. record for the number of interceptions, but he's still viewed as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time because he took chances and made big plays happen. Stafford was got a ring. is the same is the same sort of quarterback. Maybe not like Favre was one of the best. Stafford much more mobile group. than Stafford. Yeah. Stafford Stafford's like sneaky mobile. Favre you just knew was a runner and could get out because <laughs> he because he didn't like standing in the pocket. He, no. he didn't believe in the pocket. I don't know what it was. No. He didn't believe in the pocket. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. One last game. Then we give our predictions, and we'll get you out of here quickly, all right? Bills head into Arrowhead. Well, sorry. Gia State Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Got to be, gotta be right. Call it what it is. It's Arrowhead. That's like, that's like calling the Staples Center crypto. It's never going to happen. It'll happen in like ten years when we have to when it's been dead for ten years. That's the problem. Do you still call Scotiabank the ACC? It's the same. Yes, but that's only been like three years. I said ten years. Give it ten. Hey, I'm never gonna. I still call it the Skydome, dude. Fair. All right. Um, Allen versus Mahomes. Who comes out on top in round two playoff edition? Josh Allen. I am not buying what the Chiefs are selling. Cool. You beat up on the Steelers. The Steelers were the fakest 11 and one team I had ever seen last year. And then the only source of offense was from their defense. I'm not buying what the Chiefs are selling this year. And Najee. Come on, give Najee some credit. Yeah. I mean, he was incredible, but like, that Steelers team. their only offense didn't come from the defense. It, uh, I give Najee credit, but no, no, no passing game to be. The text you sent me to come prepared with a tire fire was I, I nearly chose the Pittsburgh Steelers. I nearly chose the Pittsburgh Steelers because they are going to be a mess this offseason. Oh, absolutely. So the, Chiefs, the Chiefs come out and beat up on a Steelers team that hasn't really been the Steelers yeah. since 2018. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers have not been the Pittsburgh Steelers for the last three, four years. They've been a shell of their former selves. So cool. You come out and you get a massive playoff win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And really this chiefs team, it's been a slow decline over the last two years. It has been a slow decline for these chiefs. I don't think this is the chiefs team of old. I don't think this is the same chiefs team that won that super bowl. I think when you look at what happened to the chiefs last year in the super bowl against the bucks, they got dominated by a damn good defense. Oh, what are they playing this week? A damn good defense in the Buffalo Bills. Not only a damn good defense, the best defense statistically in the Which NFL were the Bucks at last at last year, right? So yeah. I, I think it's going to be much of the same story. I think we are going to see a frustrated Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to be difficult for them to get things going. Now they are playing at home, and that's a very raucous crowd and one of the best atmospheres atmospheres in professional football so if they come out and they're slinging right away it wouldn't shock me but i i do think the bills because of their ability to play defense because of just the multiple schemes they play i mean th- when you watch the bills defense they do so many different things they mix up their coverages they do a lot of show looks they play a lot of man i i mean which they're a versatile I mean, defense that's the biggest they thing. are 
and they can play every style and then some more. So they're going to have schemes in place, have systems in place where they're prepared for nearly everything the Chiefs are going to be able to throw at you. The only thing that you you can't prepare for, and I guess maybe the, the Bills do have a luxury because they're practicing against Josh Allen on a weekly basis, but you can't prepare for the intangibles of Patrick Mahomes. Like that no, dude's just no going way. to make plays. It's going to happen. But like I said, you have Josh Allen on your own team. So preparing against that on a weekly basis gives you some of the feel because Josh Allen in his own right makes some ridiculous plays happen. 100%. And I mean, you're looking at this as a, I, I, I even build it, Mahomes versus Allen. But this is really which defense is going to show up. And right now I'm looking at the Bills as being the team that is going to make a defensive play to limit these two offensive because they're great offenses. They're third and fifth in the league, respectively, KC to the Buffalo. But the Bills defense is number one. The Kansas City defense statistically, and this is based off of the NFL.com rankings, is 27th. I hate to say it, but Tyron Matthew doesn't scare me anymore. He doesn't. I think he's the only guy on that defense that does, though. And which, Maybe, sorry, Chris Jones. Chris because, Jones. Yeah, off the like as a pass rusher. Yeah, Chris Jones, you're going to have to worry about. But I mean, those are the only again, two guys I can even name on that defense right now. I. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, thinking about it off the top of my head. Yeah. It's, right? it's like, Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew. Um, that's a problem. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Now, I, I mean, the flip side of this coin is what version of the Buffalo Bills offense are we going to see? Everybody's talking about how like the Jets kind of hung in there with the Bills, but like whatever, that's meaningless at the end of the season. I saw some stuff from Josh Allen midseason this year in close games where it was like, what are you doing? What are yeah. you doing here? Why? What was the thought process behind that decision? Why are you putting the ball 10 feet over a guy's head when he's wide open? I mean, I, there's just some, some things from not necessarily Josh Allen, but the Bills offense this year and some of the scheming, some of the play calling where I was just like, what? So if that, if that comes out this year, if they play that style of football where you are questioning what the hell is going on on offense – the, the Chiefs are going to be able to take advantage of that because if it gets into a shootout-type game where it's like, all right, let's play keep up, I don't know if the Bills can keep up with the Chiefs. I, I, that's, that's a big if because we yeah. know the talent of the Bills on the back end. But if it gets yeah. into a shootout, if it gets into kind of, all right, we got to keep up with the Chiefs, I don't know if the Bills can keep up with the Chiefs. Fair enough. I, I did forget, and I'm I'm going to correct myself because it's very rude not to include this guy. Daniel Sorensen is still on the Chiefs. Give him okay. credit as a, as a safety. I'm not saying he's like super dangerous, but I'll still give him credit as somebody that I knew. I cannot name any of the other guys. There, I don't know them. Nick Bolton actually led them in combined tackles, though. I would not have been able to say that. I, I couldn't have named that guy. He's twenty one. He's a twenty one year old linebacker. That. Good for him. I mean, he had a great season by the looks of it. But not. I wouldn't have recognized his name. That's my point. Is that I can name guys on the Bills defense. I, I couldn't name guys on the Chiefs defense because they're not great this year. No, they were the Chiefs. Torched. The Chiefs this year are not 
Like, I'm not afraid to open my closet door and find the Chiefs in there this year. Like, the Chiefs are just not this boogeyman <laughs> that that they were the last two years, right? Like, I don't know. For me, for me in this one, I think if I'm the Bills, yeah, you got to go into Arrowhead, which hostile environment, but whatever, thrive on it. You know that right now. Hold on, this is a team have... that has been able to go into uh, Gillette Stadium this year and manhandle yes. the Patriots. That's what I'm saying. So you got to you got to thrive on that hostility. You got to thrive on that environment and be like, okay, we've been here. We can take this. We can silence this crowd real quick with our defense. I think the Bills in this one with their defensive capabilities, that's where they need to find their confidence. That is where they need to be like, nobody can run with us. With this defense, with the way that we have been playing, nobody's going to be able to run with us. And if they bring that confidence into this one, I think the Bills have a real shot to upset the Chiefs at home. And they're not going to be unused to the environment either, right? Like Buffalo is freaking cold. We all saw that Patriots game, or at least the start of that Patriots game, right? Where it was blowing snow. So again, the environment of Arrowhead in terms of climate and weather is not going to be something that the, the Bills are unused to either. Yeah. For Ground sure. games and defenses travel. Bills have both. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. The other thing, you're talking about this raucous stadium atmosphere and it will be it's going to be high if the chiefs do not come out flying that atmosphere will turn on them yes that is huge that's something that won't get talked about as much but it is huge let's get into our predictions i know you got to go so we'll get we'll get you out of here quickly is it i I have to grab a charger (laughs) are we like live on youtube right now we are live dude oh no I have five to minutes, everybody, and give me give me two. I it's right. over there. We'll take a quick I, break. I we will take a quick break here, folks, and we'll bring you our predictions and everything else afterward. I'm so sorry to the hey guys. Viewers, it's but... producer Jake here from Betting House, the Garage Door Sports Network's ultimate degenerate gambling podcast. Catch our episodes weekly on Apple, Spotify, and Google as we bring you banter, laughter, and of course picks for all sorts of games throughout the week. Give us a follow on our socials at Betting House Pod, where you can catch all our bets each week, as well as some bonus content. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Let's get rich. Hey everyone, this is Irfan Manji from Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. We are an all-soccer podcast hosted by yours truly and Paige Culver. We provide news, analysis, and opinions each episode as well. You can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher, and follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Cheers. All right, Connor's back. We're ready to go. Let's end this off right, dude. Divisional round predictions. We'll go in order again. Because, I mean, why not at this point? Who do you have game one, Cincy, Tennessee? Tennessee. I got the Titans. I got the Titans in a close one. Okay. I'm also going to ask you, do you think they cover the four-point spread? No, I'm saying no. it's a three-point game. I'm taking the Bengals, and I will obviously oh, take right. the four points. I'm going to take the Bengals because I just don't know how healthy Derrick Henry is, and if he's not, there's no way that Tannehill's beating Joe Burrow in a shootout. Not a chance. This is gonna this is gonna come back to the thing that I was talking about about Joe Burrow earlier, where I like say something not nice about Joe Burrow, and then Joe Burrow comes out and just gives. And me that's a why giant I'm taking the Bengals. middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> um, Green Bay, San Francisco, Saturday night matchup. Who do you got? I think we're both in agreement on this one. The green and gold are going to cruise. 
as I knock everything over. The cheese tries, head tries will be to grab going his on. cheese head. The and cheese head will be going shell. on. Don't worry. Hopefully uh, that's not like foreshadowing for what's to come. Knocking everything over with the cheese everything head. I think just, the Green Bay Packers just... absolutely run over the 49ers. So yeah, it's fine. Okay, fair. All right, fine. <laughs> flip my analogy on me. Whatever, it's fine. It's fine. I got you. That's why I did it. Because you let me. Um, Bucks, Rams, three-point spread. You think they cover? Uh, in this one, I'm, I'm scared, man. I, I'm just so scared of Tom Brady being Tom Brady. Um, I think the Rams are going to cover. I think the Bucks somehow sneak this one. I think the Bucks cover. I think the Bucks win, and I think they cover. I still think it's like a one-touchdown game, but I think they cover. Last up, Chiefs, two-point favorites at home to the Bills. Pick it. Going Bills, man. I'm going Bills. Bills. I'm not confident in the Kansas City Chiefs team. I'm just not. And okay. if if I come out and whatever, I'm wrong, and the Chiefs win, so be it. But right now, I'm not confident in the Chiefs. I'm just not confident it. enough to put, put my money down on the Chiefs. Love it. I'm good with it. I'm going Bills as well. I think they have the better team. It's hard to say that because it's the Chiefs, but I think the Bills have the better team. I know, right? It feels wrong to say it, but when you look at what the Chiefs team has if done, you look player for declined. Pl- if you look player for player, the Bills are a better team. Bills now match they just up. to show it. All right, dude, that's it. We've made it through the divisional rounds. It's time for the Tire Fires of the Week. And as the guest, you get to go first. I do. Okay. So you're asking me, you wanted to make sure that we didn't have the same one. I guaranteed that we did not. <laughs> My tire fire of the week is Charles Barkley cleaning his glasses with his tongue. <laughs> what are you doing? That is sick. Who cleans their glasses like that? That is horrendous. If, oh, if I've never, I've never seen something like that on national television. I understand that the, the TNT crew for the NBA games is incredibly entertaining i love ernie johnson i love the jet i love Shaq. i love chuck but like chuck why are you cleaning your glasses like that dude who licks their glasses to clean them can't get nobody nobody no no you and then you wipe it with the shirt that's the standard you don't just pull on show your tongue to the world on national television it's true (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh it's been uh it's been an interest i mean that crew is always interesting but that is that is was a very interesting one for sure well done um for mine this week i could have gone edmonton oilers with the dry press conference that would have been a very entertaining one but i'm going oilers adjacent <laughs> we're going brad oh, marshall okay, okay, gotcha. we're going brad marshall and the reason that I say Oilers adjacent is because he's had a, just an incredible week of antics. It's been super fun. It started off with him taking the fans' phone down the tunnel with him. That was hilarious. That was funny. Like that I was funny. Was... But if you add it with everything else that he's done this week, he's had just an absolutely antic-filled week. So then he decided to get into it with Vincent Trocheck of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, someone said that he had similar game to Brad Marchand, and Trocek said, are you calling me a rat? And then Marchand had the comeback of, that's like comparing a Lambo to a Prius. Ballsy, I like it. But the caveat, 
on top of this entire week for Brad Marchand. Spitting Chicklets posted the picture of the Edmonton Oilers fans throwing a jersey onto the ice and said, we got another jersey toss in Edmonton. Brad Marchand decided to make the comment. And fans will wonder why McDavid and Dreisaitl don't sign back there again. Ooh. That's a lot to take in. That was like across four days too. Like he didn't even make it the full week. That was like four days of chaos. Brad Marchand is on one right now. And now he's hurt. So he has a lot more time to be on social media. We could see a few more of these things coming out in the next few days. Because he's got nothing else to do. No, he's got, well, I mean, he's got to go play a game against the Winnipeg Jets this afternoon. He's hurt. Um, he's not playing. Oh, he's not playing right. He is hurt. So yeah, I guess like he's going to be Twitter fingers ablazing for this Jets game on. That's what I'm like. We could get some Saturday crazy afternoon. things I mean, over the weekend. I, Brad Marchand, everything that Brad Marchand does though is calculated. It is completely Absolutely. calculated. Brad Marchand knows who he is and what his personality is at this point in the, in the game. I mean, yeah, those were, it was a complete, well, I mean, the whole week was completely errant, but like the comments on, on McDavid and Drysaddle were just ridiculous. He knew what he was doing when he made those comments too. And I don't necessarily know if it was entirely off base. No, McDavid it's not, is, it's not McDavid off is base. staying in Edmonton. Drysaddle, I don't know. No, you, and especially as a player in the league. He was retired. It's different. Yeah, if if he was a if he was an NHL panelist, if he was an NHL media personality, for him to say that, it's just another comment on Twitter. But because he's a current player in the league, yeah. it's not just another comment on Twitter. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm calling it a tire fire because this it is, is. He, he is on one right now. Brad Marchand needs to be doused. Somebody go get me some fire. Well, I don't, Fire repellent, whatever the goop is called. I don't know what it's actually like. What's the stuff fire actually extinguisher? is? Fire extinguisher? No, like the green gel that puts out a fire. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, okay. I got, I got you now. Okay. I don't know what it's like actually called, but somebody, Brad Marchand needs some of that. Somebody get some of that for Brad Marchand. Send him, send him a box or something. <laughs> like this dude just needs to be stopped. So that's my tire fire. Two great tire fires, by the way. Well done. I think that's your Thank first you. time doing tire fire. So well done. It is. Yeah. That's my first tire fire. I had to, I had to come in with, with Charles Barkley. Cause that yeah. was just well done. Oh, God. Well done. Um, okay. Let's wrap it up, dude. Final thoughts of the week. What do you think about this week? Um, I think the, I think the Leafs have some physicality issues. I think the Oilers are in some serious hot water. I think that I'm a very sad Detroit lions fan and this is going to be an incredible weekend of football. I'm very excited for it. I uh, hope those Chiefs get upset. I really do. I think it's, I think it's, I don't know. I don't want to see. Is, it's like, is it even really an upset if it's less than a three point spread? Not really. No, it's a pick em at that point. But I mean, it's still, I mean, for me, I guess it's still a little bit of an upset because you're the like, you're the road dog essentially. So, I mean, edge to the hometown. But, um, I don't know, man. It's like those Golden State Warriors runs. As big of a Steph Curry fan as I am, uh, I, I was getting sick of watching the Warriors play three, four years in a row, and I don't want to see the Chiefs go back to the to the Super Bowl this year just to get blown out by whatever NFC team, i.e. the Green Bay Packers, are going to be playing in, in the Super Bowl. At a um, Yeah, I don't know. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. It'd be a bit of – I think there would be – a bit of Canadiana behind it too. If the, if the bills were to make a run, I mean, yeah. maybe in, in Ontario anyways, but, or at least our end of Ontario here, there would be, um, 
It'd be a bit of a wagon going on, I would say. A bit of a playoff right. wagon for the Bills. A huge wagon. So, a huge wagon. I just, I just don't have a playoff team every single NFL season because I'm a, a sad, lowly Detroit Lions fan. So every year, it's my favorite time of the year. Every year, I get to pick a new team for like <laughs> six weeks. That's fair. I, I feel that. That's good. It's, it's not nice. a bad. It's a nice it, little break. I mean, it sucks that your team isn't in, but at the same time, it's cool because you don't have to like live and die by. This year is a little bit different. Matthew Stafford is in the playoffs, That's so true. like. I'm living and dying by Matthew Stafford. I'll be crushed if they lose this week. Yeah. We did finally get a comment. Dexy65 said, beware of a Packers upset if they can't stop the run. Dun, dun, dun. Possible. Maybe. I just don't see it happening this week. Yeah, not this week. I don't see it happening. Uh, I think the Niners are a bit depleted. Yeah. My final thought of the week is we've officially, unofficially started draft season in a bunch of sports. I just covered the CPL draft on Thursday, which was a lot of fun. One of the craziest drafts I've ever watched, by the way, because we had a top 25 board and only five of the players were picked out of 16 picks. Like, there were guys off the board. It was awesome, but it was a lot of, I was not ready for that. (laughs) Um, Dude, that was, you, you, you were on it. That was Wade and I with the, with the CFL draft. Man, this this one was even wilder. Like names that I didn't even think would be like considered top fifty players went. There's only sixteen picks, sixteen picks. So it it, makes, it was crazy. Like it was cool. I wonder what all all the underhand deals have already been made. But that's that. It was cool. Um, but I love draft season. Draft season is so much fun. And obviously, you love CFL draft and the NFL draft, so like I, you know what I mean. Like it's so much fun to be a part of these draft seasons. So it's unofficially officially begun. The CPL draft is done. Next up, I'm pretty sure is the CFL draft. Uh, CFL draft coming up in end of at the end of April, start of May. So I think it is. Believe it's technically the next one. I believe it would be unless. NFL draft. I don't know is... when the C. I don't know when the CEBL drafts. Oh, the CEBL one might. I don't know. I'd have to look into that. But yeah, it's either. But I think, it... uh, to my knowledge, the CFL draft is the next draft because we get CFL draft one or weekend. The NFL, NFL draft is the next. I think it's the next weekend after the CFL draft, or maybe two weekends after. It might be mid April. April twenty eighth is the night that it starts. Okay. It might be before the CFL might draft. Be so it's either NFL or CFL. And we get the MLB midseason, or NHL as well, sorry, NBA. NF, MLB is technically midseason, but we'll see if that happens. <laughs> I'm trying to find it for you here. The CFL draft doesn't have a date yet. Does not have a date yet. It's yeah. normally at the end of April. It's usually like the last weekend in April, start of May. So it might be... Probably the start it might be of the, the week. It'll, it'll probably be the week before or the week after the NFL yeah. draft. So we got lots to get ready for. Don't worry. We will have you covered for the NFL and CFL drafts. Look for these guys at College Football Perspective. Connor O'Neill, Wade Zanketa. Can't forget Marshall as well. He, he, he would not be happy if I forgot him. So Marshall <laughs> Ferguson, also a key person on the CFL draft boards. If you're looking for our good buddy, Connor, 
You can find him at Connor R O'Neill on Twitter. Is that your same for your Instagram or? It is, yeah, both across the board. Uh, the Twitter is a much more interesting follow, I would yes, say. I get to be a little bit more opinionated on there. Uh, some of my takes are always horrible, but that's why we I love like you. Fun on <laughs> <laughs> Not afraid to give the hot takes at the very worst. Yeah, if you're looking for myself, it's at Nick McVicker on Twitter and Instagram. The show at Garage Door Sport on Twitter at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. If you're looking for Connor and Wade on College Football Perspective, it's CF perspective on twitter Twitter and instagram as well right so make sure you check them out connor dude thank you for joining us today it was been an absolute pleasure to have you as always it's never a bad time to have you on i appreciate it man it was was a lot of fun to jump on and kind of broaden my horizons talk some hockey here i am a hockey fan we just uh you know not a lot of crossover between canadian football and canadian hockey Believe it or not, so no, I don't really get, get the to odd player who uh, played as a youth in one of the other teams. Hey, but that's the Getzlaff it. brothers, the Getzlaff yeah. brothers is the last one I can remember. Yeah, but I mean, you get the stories of like, oh yeah, I grew up playing hockey and switched to football later, or I grew up playing football AJ and switched Watt. to hockey. Right? That's what I mean, right? So there's a few, but it's very rare. I agree with you. We got a guy that I grew up with plays for the Riders. He's going to the Olympics now for bobsled. I saw that. He's the yeah. uh, Ottawa player, or uh, sorry, Carlton uh, football player, right? Yeah, he went to he went to the bad school across the canal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, he was a Raven. So yeah, I saw that this week. I was really impressed by that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's crazy. So, yeah, yeah, good dude. Um, yeah, so I was I was fired up for that. But yeah, I hey, mean that's a, that's the second guy that I can remember who played in the CFL who is who went into bobsled. The other one, obviously, Jesse Lumsden. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's more, but those are the two that like bounce off the top of my head so yeah i think those are yeah jay jay and uh yeah jay and jesse lumpston for sure and then i believe um the running back at a york um was was doing olympic bobsled trials as well yeah that's what i mean i'm sure there's more of them johnson like it's just the two of them made it to the olympics which is cool yeah oh yeah yeah so All right, man. Thank you again for joining us, folks. We will be back next week. Hopefully, Kyle and Irfan will be back. Schedules didn't work out this week. Hey, it happens. That's why we got great people like Connor to join us. So, Always um, happy to jump on. That's what I like to hear. (laughs) (laughs) For everyone here at Garage Door Sports, we thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.